Oh my god, Clint, you look like the guy. Has anyone ever told you you look like the one guy from Supernatural that I can't even say the name of because they never actually know the name. So I guess I'm I look like one of the two main characters. And uh, now I'm just like, is that because you want me to be your boo bear? Uh, get it, boo. Boo, scary. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you look like a super natty daddy. Almost like you're super natural. And kind of like people's belief in supernatural things. It's it's unbelievable. Okay, Clint. Welcome to episode 160 of the Off and Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Uh, recording this on August 4th, 2022. I feel like that's a special, not a special day, but I feel like there's something to that date. That's kind of important. But anyways, recording this at 11.47 a.m. Eastern, because I'm an Eastern guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, happy snow, snow bunny dogs. I oh, love that line. Uh, happy, got my snow bunnies. Happy Easter, boys. Um, <laughs> oh, Jack. Um, but yeah, episode 160. Uh, trying to get back in the routine of it. Had some time today. Trying not to work out today, actually take a day off. I've legitimately worked out every single day for approximately four and a half weeks straight. Oh my God, it's so unhealthy to work out every day. You need to take time for yourself. It's like, uh, I do take time for myself when I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, man, I spent a lot of time on myself. Um <laughs> No, but anyways, this is not going to be the workout pod. Uh, trying to steer away from it. Um, but yeah, bring him. By the way, I brought back my in game drink. You know, some people drink electrolytes when they're, you know, uh, performing their deeds. I, uh, you know, have iced coffee, which actually does the opposite of electrolytes, it dehydrates the fuck out of you, especially with sugar. And, um, sugar, yes, please. And, um, eventually she'll put it down on me. Um, <laughs> put it down on me. Right, Jeremiah? All right. But, yeah. No, like, I, I open with the supernatural thing. Because, actually, I was thinking to myself earlier, and I even had a small little conversation as their opinion on kind of supernatural things. Um... I guess I'll be your ghost of Christmas past. Uh, you could you could put this dick under the tree, cause and then shake and bake it, baby. Shaking the tree. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a it's very ornamental. All right, Clint. Uh, but yeah, no, I was I was actually curious about how how do we really view like quote unquote supernatural things, right? I think most people have a small belief in it and I think a good portion of those people are afraid to admit it because it's kind of like if you believe it's weird how people when it comes to religion and stuff they'll have no problem putting their life out there having their whole life kind of revolve around something that's really technically supernatural right I'm not I'm not trying to make this religious or nothing but it's odd to me how people will go out and preach and make and put their neck out and just have like no like it roll off the tongue like yeah you know it's kind of like yeah you know I do crack like that doesn't just naturally like that's not something you just say in passing people like yeah you know I'm religious it's like if but in passing if you say like oh yeah no like supernatural thing like ghost like a lot of people start raising their eyebrows when someone's like oh they're one of those Oh, you're one of those people that have like a psychic place and you have your little globe that you put your fingers on and the little lasers attached to it. Welcome to Spencer's. Um, <laughs> um, and I thought about going to a psychic because I, I don't know if it's a scam. Like, I feel like a psychic, it's really, I, I think you could tell a lot about someone when they walk in the door and gauge their interest type of thing. And I think they can kind of just get a good idea of who you are they're probably just like experts in human psychology probably or human behavior and they could probably predict a lot of your patterns because people are typically 
predictable pattern of behavior type of people, especially. So, and if you have someone that's seeking answers, they're obviously kind of probably in a curious mindset or open mindset or sometimes even desperate that they're probably much more easier to predict. And that's when you have psychics that can, you know, sell $10,000 courses type of shit. Um, or as they call it, quote unquote, medium, Long Island medium. Like, shut the fuck up. It's like, you know, your cousin, Sally. Uh, can girls be, yeah, girls can be cousins. Your auntie, we'll just say auntie. Your auntie, Sally, she misses you. She died two years ago when she got hit by a Mack truck. But before she got hit by that Mack truck, she was thinking about you and your newborn child. And she was going to send a card saying, I hope everything is going well. And then the person breaks down crying like, oh, my God, oh, Auntie Sally. And uh, now she owns a beauty shop. I get it, Sally Beauty Shop. Okay, Clint. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to supernatural things, it's weird how that's like a very, mm, like if you kind of, if you kind of uh, have a belief system about that stuff. Automatic assumption is probably like, oh, they want to contact the dead. They're probably in the Ouija boards. They're probably trying to reach out. And that shit is scary. Like, I'm not trying to do all that. Like, <clears throat> don't fuck with Ouija boards. Don't fuck with accessing witchcraft and shit like that. That's not what I mean about understanding or at least accepting that. I believe there are supernatural things that kind of happen on this earth. But it's that, I, I don't, I think... Believing in a religion <clears throat> is very equivalent to believing in, like, supernatural ghosts. Or people that believe in religion, for some reason, will be the first to shun down when they're like, a hotel is haunted. Or haunted mansion and shit like that. It's it's like, you, like, it's like you'll, you'll believe in a lineage of something that a freaking, a, a hummingbird... A hummingbird could have fucking wrote the Bible with their little pecker nose and do 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 do. Because, you know, hummingbirds are actually pretty smart. There's a reason why there's the hummingbird. Was it the hummingbird project? Or, yeah, like the Scott. Well, what was the fucking book? You know, it's only the biggest book. Like, one of the three biggest books in the history of fucking literature. Um, the hummingbird, I think. I don't know. Anyways. But when it comes to, like, supernatural beings and ghosts and accessing, quote-unquote, spirits, for some reason, that's one of those things where it just kind of seems like uh, people have their eyes raised when that shit happens, when someone starts talking about that stuff. And it's typically because, typically, the people that are most outspoken about it or the people that are, like, really into it probably look a certain way so you have a perception you make judgments and that's fair like if if someone walks in looking like you know the the character from death note i'm not an anime guy but i know what he looks like if someone who's dressed up as death note starts talking to me about supernatural things i'm probably gonna be like yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm sure buddy and because you almost don't want to like, yeah, I agree. It's like, oh, really? You agree? You should come over. I can access some things for you. It's like, hey, I ain't trying to get a backstage pass here. Um, you know, sometimes getting VIP to front row seats to things that you're interested in, not always the best. You know, I'll, I'll sit in the auditorium and I'll observe from afar. So in case I have to make an emergency exit, I'm first out. Um <laughs> Now, I may have to jump from the top of the building because I only paid 40 bucks for the seat. But hey, you know what? It's better than paying uh, $5,000 and uh, dealing with a lifetime of unease when you're sleeping. And I was like, "Why is what's that hot air in my ear? It's like, it's your like air conditioning, my friend. Um, <laughs> why am I sweating at night? Ooh, spirits either make you really cold or they make the room really hot. And... Uh, yeah, it could just be because, you know, it's summertime and you didn't turn your fan on. Um, that could be it, too. Um, but no, like, I, I, I guess the, uh, the main thing I was sorry, it took so long to kind of get around to this. But 
is supernatural things like believing and seeing. Because, you know, like the Polar Express. Seeing is believing. Um, I guess technically you think about it, the Polar Express is pretty supernatural. It's a fucking train full of kids that just... And this train just arrives and kidnaps these kids from their houses on Christmas Eve. To teach them the spirit of Christmas, I guess. Which really is just called kidnapping. It's, it's a glory... Polar Express is a glorified kidnapping movie. Um, it's basically like the Catholic Church in the train. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, you know, at least they get something out of it. At least they went home the next day. And at least, you know, they uh, they appreciate the Christmas tree more. They appreciate the holidays. At least there's a inspiring message behind it, you know. Can you believe? Um, yeah, I do believe. Uh, but yeah, I believe, I believe you kidnapped like 50 fucking children. Uh, anyways, talk about running a train. All right. Talk about the Catholic church running a train. All right. Anyways, but I guess what I was thinking is, is believing in supernatural things. Is it age specific of the origin of when that typically happens? Like, can someone be 40 years old and never believe in all that? And then all of a sudden, it, do you really have to believe supernatural things to actually see it? Because if you, like, don't believe it, then it won't happen. It's kind of like with, uh, what was it, like, uh, like the Sorcerer's Stone, the cartoon movie. Or you can actually say Thor, where he struggles to actually connect with the hammer in the first one. And he has to, like, really think a certain way. He has to really believe he's Thor. He has to really believe that what he's doing to actually embody what it takes to actually see. To actually be what he's trying to be. And I think it's kind of like a euphemism of confidence. Like, it's kind of like if you're under the squat rack. Jesus, bring him back to the gym. But... If you're under the squat rack, right, and you're trying to one rep max or even do like a three rep set where it's like heavier weight and you're going to struggle with it. Like it's going to be tense. It's going to be intense. Uh, Put on your shoulders, baby. Carry the load. Kind of like I do with every fucking pop. But anyways, yeah, it's uh, the second you have any percentage of doubt, can I get this? 99% 99% of the time, you're not going to get it. Because most of lifting, most of believing in yourself, most of believing in what you're seeing is the utmost confidence. It's the utmost, most importantly, not just confidence, but no self-doubt. Like, you, you almost have to be slightly irrational in a good way. Like, there's obviously a physical limitation, right? Like, you can either... Your body can either do it or it can't. But most but most people don't really even reach even past that, like, 80 to 90% potential, even when they think they work hard, because there's a slight bit of, like, you know, I don't want to push myself. I don't want to go too far. I want to push the envelope. I'm trying to avoid injury, which is fair. I'm not saying you should go and try to get injured, but... It's a, it's a thing that the second you like, it's almost like the second you're like, I don't know if I could get this. It's like your legs, your limbs just automatically weaken. Self-doubt, like it it literally is like a dopamine or it's kind of like a hit to your dopamine. It's kind of like a hit to your adrenaline. It's like the second you're like a slightest bit of doubt, your body doubts too. That's why your mind-muscle connection matters. And to connect that with believing in supernatural things, I believe that part of... It's almost like seeing is believing. Supernatural is literally... Believing in supernatural things is literally like the Polar Express. If you don't believe it, you're not really going to see it. And you're not really going to have an eye out for it. Because you always just think it's... This is something just in the wind. It's it's just like, oh, that was a weird noise. It's just this. Like, you feel something. 
I believe a lot of times when we wake up in the middle of the night randomly and we don't have to pee and we don't, we're not having like, we just wake up and we feel off and it doesn't make sense. I believe it's because like our body has senses. You know, like when you feel like someone's looking at you and you just know it when you're out in public. Like, I believe your body develops that sensory development as you get older. So that's why, oh, you like, and sometimes people overdo it. Everyone feels like, everyone's out to get me. Everyone's looking at me. It's like, trust me, no one's looking at you for the reasons you think it is. It's like, I'm so, it's like, I'm so fine. It's like, um, well, love is in the eye of the beholder. Let's, uh, let's hope for that one. And your demographic, not helping you. Um, <laughs> snow bunnies. Uh, <laughs> but I do believe that you have to kind of, you have to kind of see what your, and, and what your, um, if you have any self-doubt about supernatural and you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna, like, oh, you know, I'll, I guess I'll see, then it's probably not going to happen. Like, you're not going to see the way that people who have that type of curiosity. And on the flip side, I think if you're just over the top, like always looking for something, that's when you get those people's like, oh, you see how they walk? That's because they had a bad night's sleep because, you know, uh, Pegasus, you know, they'll be like, uh, shit, what's that fucking succubus? I don't even want to say the name because that's some scary shit. But yeah, I said it once, so I'm gonna use that as a reference. Like, I remember last time I said that on a pod when I found out about this stuff, someone was telling me about this stuff. I said it on a pod, and immediately it just got like really quiet where I lived, and like something in my mind didn't feel right, like it felt like something was roaring around. And I was like, ooh, ooh. And I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, I believe I've had some minor experiences. I know, I'll tell a small little story. When I was younger, this is only because my mother has told me this story. So when I was younger, I had this uh, kind of like this train track toy thing in, in a room in a house we lived in. It's a pretty decent sized room wooden floors and it was just like this pretty decent size like when Toys R Us was the thing when you could actually buy like real shit at Toys R Us for a decent price like we actually had like a legit like train thing in my room or whatever but it was battery operated and you had to plug it in type of shit so you know you had to really uh make sure make sure shit was going right um I remember one day, apparently I was at school or something. I was at home. It was just my mom home. And she's downstairs and she hears the train thing going. She's like, hmm. My mom is one of those people. The slightest thing. It If it doesn't sit right, something's wrong. It immediately, it's not like us guys. We're just like, ah, Jesus Christ. Fucking trains and shit. At the go stairs and man, like, ah, oh, fuck. Huh? Like, she's like, mm, I don't know about this. So she goes upstairs. She turn. She uh, turns off the train. I even think she, I think she like um, she unplugged the train. Right. Goes back downstairs, and like literally like a minute or two later, the train goes on again. Now it's not plugged in. Goes upstairs, of course. Her senses are heightened. Her mommy's senses are heightened. Now, she's really starting to kind of get freaked out. She goes upstairs. And she's like, oh, hell no. Then, she took the batteries out of the train. She took the batteries out of the train and took the train off the tracks. If I remember correctly. She just, like, put the trains to the side. Whatever the fuck. She's already, like, kind of fucked up. And she's, like, going downstairs, you know, probably doing dishes. Um, that's what the women do. Uh, vacuum, bitch. And literally, like, the same amount of time lapse as the last time when the train went. Like, she started hearing stuff upstairs. She heard a big thump. And the train 
She heard the train noise again. She immediately walked out of the house. And she basically told my dad, like, we got to fucking move. This shit ain't it. And she was scared as fuck. Like, I believe she stayed at, like, a hotel or she, she stayed... Like, she stayed, like, at a fam- at, like a family house for a little while until, like, basically, we lived there for a little bit longer until we found another place to live, like, and shit like that, like, you gotta have that heightened sense of awareness about it. And when I think about when I was younger, she also said I used to have an imaginary friend. And, you know, kids have a map, but... She said, like, you legitimately, like, didn't just, like, it felt like you, like, kind of like the movies when a kid has a quote-unquote imaginary friend, and then for the camera, for the audience, they actually see what the kid sees, but the kid, but the parents, when they're looking at this chair, just, they don't see nothing, but the kid actually sees another kid for, like, the 1820s, um, and then he was, like, murdered by his whole family, and that's why he's just, like... He's coming for you. It's like, no, don't forget. Hey, mom, don't forget to get a chicken sandwich for Remy. It's like, I'm not paying two bucks for your fucking imaginary friend. Like, the sandwich isn't going to imaginarily disappear. Besides, the kid from the 1820s, his body probably can't even digest chicken. Chicken wasn't really a thing there. Especially not this type of chicken. It's a McChicken. Your kid's gonna, like, your imaginary friend, let's say hypothetically, he could eat this chicken sandwich. He's probably gonna die. Because his body's not used to all this chemicals and shit. But, anyways. But, then when I think about it, like, I don't have the greatest of memory. But there's a few things that kind of, and I do remember, like, when I think about it, like, and maybe it's because when you're told something happened. Or you're told to remember something. You start like convincing yourself of things that may or may not have actually happened. But from my belief. I do remember like actually having like a real friendship. With the imaginary friend in that house. Like there's something that like the triggers in my mind. I remember the VHS little cassette area we had. I remember the toys. I remember certain wall murals we had Marilyn Monroe um <laughs> and there's a supernatural element of it that really like uh-huh I think I did have like an imaginary friend now was it truly my imagination or was it something I actually saw with my own eyes and felt and felt like it was a real person And that's the kind of thing. I don't know. And that's the weird part. Spirit has never traveled with me or nothing like that. Like as I got older, he's probably he probably wouldn't like me now. Um, have some beliefs that he'd be like, hey, you know, back in my day. Um be like, eh, you know, you like Benjamin Button. You look the same for the past two hundred years, my friend. Um, gotta admit, nice skincare routine, I guess. Um, even though you're pale as fuck, but whatever you're doing, you're staying alive, baby. Staying alive. Staying alive. Um, well, I guess he's kind of staying alive. He's staying alive. Uh, he's staying alive in the living eyes. Ooh, that's a bar. That's like a bar you would say to someone. You're staying alive in the living eyes. Some die once, you know, you, you get a Visalign surgery um, because you see for who they really are. Um <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I, I, I really am curious, like, if, like, let's say I would have a kid, and around the same age, he's talking about having, like, um, he has an imaginary friend, the same way I did, I'd be like, one, is it the same ugly motherfucker who wears, like, the weird bow tie type of shit, um, <laughs> uh, and, I don't know how I would deal with that. Like, do you sit there and bless the house? Because when you start blessing the house and bringing the priest, and I'm not religious, so it's kind of like, hey, I'm not going to use a priest for something I don't believe in. I'm not just going to use him for convenient services when I'm not religious. It's like, you know, I, I weirdly, I respect religion enough to not use it 
to pick and choose to my advantage. Um, I don't like the people that actually do practice it, um, but it's okay. It's like everyone commits sins. It's like, yeah, but you actually made a choice to fuck a bunch of different people. While you made a voluntarily commitment and paid $20,000 for a wedding. It's like, yeah, I don't feel bad for your sinning. Yeah, everyone sins impulsively. But a repeated offender, that's not sinning. That's just bad decision making, which is beyond sinning. Sinning is literally supposed to be impulsive. Is human behavior that is very hard to quantify, to qualify. It's very hard to, um, it's very hard to just say this or that. But repeated be pattern of behavior, yeah, no, that you can't use sinning as your excuse for that shit. But you know, um, when I think about like, what if I knew someone like? Because I was young at the time. What, I was probably like five or six or seven, somewhere in that range, when I had like this imaginary friend. And I'm sure my mom, she was just like, oh, it's cute and all this stuff. Not realizing that there was some real shit. Well, I think when that situation happened, she started realizing like, oh. I think that's why she's like probably slightly paranoid of supernatural, like ghosts and shit. Like, stay away from that shit. And she, she, she barely got near a, a Yahtzee board. Forget a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, talk about rolling the dice. Oh, Jesus. Oh, talk about two dice in one cup. <laughs> uh, as a Brendan Schaaf would say, dicey. All right. Um, and I, I, I do think about, you know, when, when I think about and kind of look back on it. How come I don't remember it well? Was I was there a brainwashing aspect of it? Do typically supernatural things gravitate to typically younger children? That's why younger children have like quote unquote these supernatural imaginary friends because the supernatural they gravitate towards naivety. They gravitate towards, towards a certain aura and energy of innocence. Because it's like opposites attract. It's, oh, I'm going to make you feel like, oh, you're easily convinced. But you're easily manipulated. You could be easily swayed and manipulated. You could be easily swayed and led in any direction that I want you to. Which is kind of like what my belief is. Like, and I do think, ironically, supernatural demons and this... I think it's weird to raise your kid on a religion at a very young age. I'm not saying they shouldn't be aware or be introduced in some way. But to sit there and be like a five years old, you're going to be a Christian. You're going to be a, you're going to be a, you know, Jew. You're going to be Jewish. You're going to be this Hebrew, whatever. Uh, there's something about that that's like a little odd to me. I, I, I'm for bringing structure. I do believe it brings a lot of value. Stuff like that. But I think the second you... You start... Uh, invading a young person's mind. To sway them in a direction. And this can honestly incur today's time. Can be applied to a lot of different things. That I don't want to get too into. I'm trying I'm trying to keep it monetized here. Um, I do think that, I, I don't think it's that much different than what kind of happens with religion, with how people are very, they know the young, the youth, very young kids are obviously very impressionable. That's why they're worried about sending their kids to school these days, because the way certain things are aligned and structured. Kids just want to fit in at the end of the day. They just want to be liked. They just want to be accepted. So if you kind of make this referendum or this curriculum or this mandatory thing that if you're not this, 
you're against us. You're not one of us. You're not welcomed in a way, which is kind of but fucking reverse irony being the fact that what you're trying to make them accept and immediately just embody is because you don't feel accepted or loved or all that shit. So you're putting the onus on someone else that, oh, we're going to make you feel good. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm a cis white male. I'm five years old. I don't know what I like. It's like, I have an imaginary friend. That's all I know. That's all I like. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why I'm really good at talking to myself. Uh, Jesus, that actually got really dark. Uh, uh, damn, that's actually kind of sad. But, uh, hey, you know, keep the train on the tracks, right? <laughs> oh, he sure did. He's like, stop taking my train off the tracks, bitch. I don't need battery. I am battery. I'm going to commit battery on you. Um, and that's the thing. It's pretty. And I, we got a lot of supernatural people out here that are living people. That are literally telling you. They're literally just manipulating. They're literally just. Uh, kind of swaying things in an, in, in an inevitable direction that if you don't follow this, if you don't do this, you don't do that. We're basically going to pigeonhole you in a specific place. And we're manipulating you for the meantime saying, oh, this is for the betterment of good. We're just one of all this stuff. And in reality... You have some sinister intentions. Ah, sinister demons. Ah. Uh, I I find it I I I don't want to go here. I find I find it irony, not irony. I use the word irony way too much when it's not technically irony, but you get what I mean. So. For some reason, things are supposed to be separation of church and state. But for some reason, it seems like it's okay if the church is involved in the state, but the church doesn't want the state involved in the church. Like, did you know that the Vatican, like, I found this out, like, I kind of was aware of this. You know, the Vatican literally does, like, if you live in the Vatican, the law that applies in the city Rome or whatever the fuck it's in, whatever city a Vatican is in, it does not adhere to legal law. The Vatican has its own legal law. That's why pedophiles, yeah, man, just got striked. That's why pedophiles, that's why all of them can just flock to this religion Vatican, to these Vatican churches. And they can just live there, die there, be free there, regardless if everyone knows they have touched 200 fucking children or whatever the fuck. The Vatican literally doesn't have to abide by human law. But God forbid, <laughs> all pun intended, um, but God forbid when in schools they're like, hey, I don't know if we should teach Bibles anymore, uh, religion. Like, I, I think there should be religion class. Like, I took a religion class in college, and I actually enjoyed it. You learn a lot. You know, you actually learn a lot. And you realize that a lot of religions are really similar. They're really the same. Delusion. Um, no, but they're really similar in what they believe. It's weird how religions are against each other when really they should actually just, like, have an AA group, like an alliance group of just religion. Because the fact that you all can believe in something so strongly and live by it, I think it's admirable. Some would say delusion. I think it's admirable, depending on how you want to look at it. But I do think there's... Like, you you have a lot more in common with each other than not. Um, but w when it comes to separation of church and state, when you, s it's pretty funny to me how it seems that... It's really just church dominates all that stuff. And it's okay. It's okay if church fed festers in schools, but it's not cool 
if the law, if the law actually is like, hey, you, you can't do this. And they're like, but we're God. <laughs> it's like, we're all God's children. What happened to us being equals? Like, hey, you know, that equals stuff, you know. Let's let's slow it down there. Um, <laughs> let's slow down. Um, except they didn't even want to get to know you. They just uh, they started to get to know your child. Um, but hey, you know, hey, sorry. I know. Uh, oh, I'm a demon, all right. In the bedroom. Um, give me them demon eyes, girl. It's, it's like, you know, I've had a few experiences with, you know, the eyes rolling back, kind of like you see in the movies when uh, they get possessed, uh, except they're being possessed. They're being possessed by this tongue on their labia. Um, <laughs> oh, fruit loop labia. Fruit labia loops. Actually, side tangent at work yesterday I was actually sometimes like I'll just throw random ideas out like you know I think I would be a great slogan brand maker for like cereal like what if they had erotic cereals where you know the common cereals or whatever and there's like a nice play on words and maybe the flavors are cool maybe it's like on the marshmallow stuff like if you have lucky charms on the marshmallow stuff it's like some you know, some like a femboy getting spanked by Kalila Kuhn. Um, <laughs> oh, Professor, be like, oh, what was that show? Ah, jeez, I can't even think about it. But yeah, it's like some girl dressed up in cosplay, whipping a guy with a ball danger in his mouth. Um, <laughs> Fruit labia loops. Um, and it's just like a bunch of erotic cereals. Maybe have erotic milk. I don't know. Say it's. 100% natural breast smoke. Um, <laughs> ooh, very nutritious, actually. Um, <laughs> okay. But now, like, I was throwing out ideas, and then, like, throughout the shift, we were, like, kind of, we had a couple, you know, I came with, like, Cinetic Crunch. You know, it says Cinnamon Toast, Cinetic Crunch. Um, a slogan for, like, Captain Crunch would be Thickmatizing Captain. Um, <laughs> Oh, she could walk the plank, all right, because uh, this wood is out to be walked on. Now, you won't have to walk that far once you fall off, but hey, you know what? Um, once you're drowning, bitch, you're drowning. Um, I'll grab you by the hair and pull you up, and in, and out, and in, and out, in these parts of the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> oh, Kier Knightley. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But I will care for you nightly. Ah, oh, Jesus, Clint. Ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. All right. But now, like, you know, fruit labia loops, cinetic crunch. Thinking, uh, trying to think of a few. Muffin top now. Muffin. Ooh, muffin gave me that top. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, they need to bring muffin tops back. Um, thickmatize me, Captain, for Captain Crunch. Uh,. Let's see, for Lucky Charms, what would be, I'm literally thinking this as I'm, Lucky Charms, uh, be like, uh, Lucky Chode, I don't even know what a chode is, I feel like, it sounds erotic, it's either erotic or it's literally just shit in the toilet, <laughs> like, I don't know, um, <laughs> um, we got a Booty Flakes, you know, you have chocolate shavings. Um, <laughs> it's wild to me when people eat Frosted Flakes or these high sugar cereals and then they literally add extra sugar on top of it. It's like, what's wrong with you? It's like, literally, when you get to the bottom of the Frosted Flakes bag, there's already crystal sugar. You don't need to add more crystals. You know? I guess it's supernatural after all. Um yeah, it's super unnatural what it makes you feel after. It's called diabetes. Um, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's good stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe try to talk about something else now. I feel like I've beaten this supernatural. I talked about forty minutes about super fucking natural. 
All right, you know what? I give you guys 45, I give you 40 minutes of non-gymish talk. So you know what we're going to talk about? My life. Um, it is weird. I know I talked about it before, but it is weird how you get treated different. And I even texted a friend with, I, I even texted a friend and we, we haven't talked in a while, like in person, but there was a period of time where literally for like five or six months straight, every like two or three times a week, we meet up just naturally. We meet like at the same place, crossover, and we just sit and talk about things, right? And a lot of it honestly would be, you know, girls, but not not just like girls specifically, but really the state of what we kind of live in in modern society as men our age, the stuff that we kind of have to be aware of and deal with that maybe other generations of men haven't. And how do we balance adjusting but still having respect for ourselves type of shit and all this stuff like it's a lot of back and forth and stuff and one thing that he kept stress and i already kind of felt this but i always felt like he was a little bit over the top with it like he's like look man it's pretty simple lift weights get big as fuck fuck bitches i'm like oh and make money lift weights get big fuck bitches get money that's all you need to do. And I'm like, I don't think it's, I mean, like, like yeah, look, like, get in shape. It's like, all right, that's something, like, I've done in the past. Like, at the time, I wasn't, you know, looking like this. But, like, yeah, like, all right. It's like, but you can't just revolve your whole life around this shit either. Like, you gotta, he's like, no, you don't. You know, that bounce. And I'm like, Okay. And he and we we would always joke about because you would see this stuff like, oh girls don't girls like dad bods, girls like this, girls don't care about if a guy's fit and all this shit. But like we both knew that was a lie. But he was he's a pretty big strong dude, pretty stout, like pretty damn strong. He's actually slightly younger than me, but he, he's a stud muffin. Um. And then he'll, he'll crumble in your hand, all right. And then you shake it because he's got he's got bear claws for hands. Um, <laughs> and I was just we we would always kind of have these discussions about things, and we would agree for the most part on a lot of things. But I, I would push back on some things just because to kind of get down to the bottom of what's actually bullshit out there, of what we hear, and what's actually not. And I think the biggest thing I've learned that's kind of proven through like this experiment, this six, seventh month experiment of body change is, yeah, um, that whole girls don't care if you're fit bullshit. It's absolute bullshit is absolutely 100% the biggest lie that will be told in history. And any girl that says they completely do not care. Like, maybe they don't care as much. It's not about being, like, shredded stuff, but just taking care of yourself. Looking like you at least exercise in some capacity. At least looking like you eat okay. At least looking like you you have self-discipline um, in what you put in your body and something, right? But when you start putting on size... And you're lean. It's a cheat code. You literally don't have to do anything to get attention. And I'm not saying this be... It's literally just like you sit back. Kind of like I was with my imaginary friend. You literally sit back. And typically you don't have to do a whole lot. To just get the minimum amount of attention that most guys that walk on this earth these days don't even get. And the biggest part about getting attention is you don't even care to get it because you know it's going to happen inevitably. 
you don't try hard, you don't dress a certain way, you don't you don't go out today and be like, I hope some girl looks at me while I'm waiting in line when I'm wearing this shirt because it shows off this. Like, you honestly don't care about that shit. Which, honestly, the less you care, you get it. And I think the biggest thing this has taught me is when you hear people say they don't care about something, I automatically assume they kind of do. Because I think about any time I say I don't care about it, it's because I've adjusted my expectations to reality of either my realistic, uh, what I attract, whether it's demographic, blah, blah, blah. Even with it, this isn't even about like dating, honestly, at this point. It's literally about who revol- who revolves in any capacity of your life. It could be the person that if you go to the grocery store once a week, you're probably going to see the same employees. You're probably going to come across someone at the front that you say, hey, to how are you today, blah, blah, blah. And even some simple as that, you can see how you get treated different based off how you look different. Based off how you feel about yourself. And it's weird. Because now when I go to certain Dunkin' locations. Like I kind of go to a few different ones. I don't go as much anymore. Because I've cut back a little. But there was one I didn't go for like a month and a half. And I went there yesterday. They're like oh my god we haven't seen you forever. And like. You could just feel. You feel the laser eye focus on you. You can feel this, like the attentiveness to you. And you just see like how much like, oh, it's, it's, you stand, you kind of stand out. And I think that's the biggest thing like with us men is the biggest thing that really separates us from other guys to attract or to even just get a woman's attention is simply competition. And the beauty about competition when it comes to competing with men is that you're not really competing because you're really in your own world. You really should just be focused on that. It's not like sports is one-on-one where you're trying to beat the person in front of you because you're really competing against a bunch of people that the only way you're really competing with them is if they actually approach or they try to get something that you want. That's the real competition between men is when someone is trying to get something that you want. There's no scoreboard. There's no this. It's. And the weird part about competition when it comes to social things. Is that. The less you, the less work you actually put into the actual thing, and the more work you put outside of the thing to make you stand out, it's almost it really is like sports where you're preparing and practicing 95 to 99% of the time for the actual game. You're preparing outside work on your skills, whether it's your health, your life skills, your just improvement as a person, improvement as a guy. And the the honestly, when you hear someone say, "I am seeking, I am seeking a relationship. I'm seeking a guy. I'm seeking a girl. I'm seeking this. I'm seeking a boyfriend, a girlfriend." It's the most cringy thing ever. I think you should always be open and you should be understanding when you are prepared for something when you're not, and be honest with yourself. But to sit there and just be like. I'm going to go find a girlfriend now. It's like you're automatically going to just kind of settle for something because it's there and you're both looking for something at the same time, I guess. When typically the best situations naturally happen when you are doing things to prepare for that to happen, if that makes sense. And I've kind of realized that about myself is that recently... The less I've actually tried to seek something, the more I've actually gotten that thing. All because of the work I have put privately. that I've, I've talked about in the pod, but I don't post videos about the work I've put in. But it's visible. 
and I've tried to be, I've tried to be more like, okay, like I'm not a self obsessed. Well, if you listen to this pod, you probably think I'm self obsessed, but I'm not a self into myself person. I'm not someone that looks in the mirror all the time. I'm not someone that critiques my every little thing about my every little thing I do. Like I'm aware of it, but I, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is type of thing. I'm just not that into myself. But I'm trying to be more like okay with being a little self indulgent. Like being like, yeah. Like like I'm trying to be more like open to showing my body. I'm trying to be more um Show offy, I guess, because show off there's like you kind of have to mark your territory, you kind of have to claim what's out there, and the way you claim is out there is you're not afraid to show what you're working with. Nah, this ain't pull your dick out because you know, show them what you're working with, shake that ass. Um, sh- helicopter dick, shake that ass, show them what you're working with. That'd be weird, like, show. You know, they have, like, weird shows where it'd be, like, the yodeling contest type of... What if they just had a helicopter dick show? Get on stage, do the helicopter dick, and then you have judges. That was a seven. Um, <laughs> shake that ass. Well, I'm pretty sure they have twerking competitions. Um, it's called the strip club. Um, <laughs> I'm in love with a stripper. Um... But I'm trying to be, I, I think it's important to we, to start being, and I used to be so against people that are just always like, just kind of like looking at themselves, marveling about themselves. I'm just not comfortable with that. And I don't know if that's insecure. That's just me actually being a normal person. Because I, I wonder like, am I just, am I actually insecure because it makes me feel some type of way when someone's so into themselves because there's a self-love and confidence that maybe I don't have as much of? Or are they just kind of, or is it a turnoff when someone's just like, look at my ass and they're taking pictures of their ass at the gym randomly? It's like, at least go to the bathroom. I mean, Jesus, like, I love your Bulgarian squats, but you know, go to the women's restroom. (laughs) Um, I don't know what to think about that. And I try to be like, should I be a little bit more self into myself? As weird as that sounds. I don't know. I think the main thing is just like, until I like feel like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to continue being me type of thing at the end of the day. I guess, uh, I don't know. Let me drink more of my drink. Uh. Cause I I guess the way I look I look is typically people that do that stuff, I look at them as heavily insecure. That's just my jaded like I admit like I'm a jaded person. I'm okay with that. I'm jaded, like I roll my eyes at some things people do. Maybe because there's a part of me that's like, ah, Jesus, I wish I could do that, but I'm going to make them feel less than so I can elevate myself up. See, it's called self-awareness. Be okay with the shit that you're cynical about, but be okay with it. Uh, But anyways, yeah, back to the core of what all this is about. Yeah. I get stopped at the gym probably... Every other day, depending on the topic, every other day, a random person, whether it's a guy or girl that goes there like, I just want to say, you know, you really put in like, you really look like different than like months ago. You really have put in the work. You really are like determined. One person, you know, my favorite compliment I've gotten, it was from an older guy, a guy who was like 70 years old. Does he lift a lot of weight? No, but you could tell like he is a long time active. Like he just like, you know, you get older, you just can't do as much. Like that's just the reality. He's natural. Like I think he used to be in the Marines. And the biggest compliment he gave me 
And it's my favorite compliment to this day when it has come to any gym, any body improvement. I've had, you, know, you have girls telling like, wow, you look good. Guys like, damn, man. Like, the biggest compliment said, you have that look of someone who gives a shit when you work out. Someone who gives a shit. Not just someone that comes in here and they go through the motions. Someone who technically puts in the work, but they're but they're not really attentive to what they're doing. He's like, when you work out, you can just tell you don't like you give a shit and you're not there to impress. You're not there to you, you, there, he's obviously saying here, but, you know, for the audience, I'm going to say there. He's like, he, he says, you're not here to do anything but improve yourself. And he's like, I don't know your origin story. I don't know if you were once this or that. I don't know if you've come a long way and whatever. He's like, but you're giving a shit. You're here every single day. And there are people that show up a lot, but they don't actually show up. And there's people that show up a little bit, and when they show up, they put in work, but they're not consistent enough. And they hear that come from an older person, and he capped it off with simply saying that... Shit, I don't know. God damn it. This happened last night when I was talking, so I just kept drawing fucking blanks. Draw a blank at the worst fucking time, you know. Uh, well, some of us guys we we shoot blanks at the worst times as well. Um, <laughs> it's the peanut butter is stopping my glycogen levels, baby. Um, <laughs> does it taste like Skippy? <laughs> oh, I'll give you a skip to your lube, all right. No, but um, the biggest compliment he gave me. Was that your consistency is something that you don't see often these days in anyone. He didn't even make it a specific. He didn't just say, oh, for your generation, you're exceptional. He's like, you can, he, he said, your consistency is something that's going to benefit you in the long term that you're not even going to realize in everything in life. And he doesn't know anything about my personal life. He doesn't know anything about anything about me. I've never talked to this guy. He just randomly came up to me and he just stopped me. And at first I was like, oh, this old guy stopping me. I thought he was going to talk to me about, you know, what's going on on Fox News on the channel. It's like, I don't talk about that stuff. He's like, oh, Biden. I thought he was going to be like, Biden says it's not a recession. And it's like, hey, you know, I, uh, this gym bill that I pay for three people says we are in a recession. Um, <laughs> but no. Um, and I took my earbuds out. And, you know, I was I was like, you know what? It was just nice. And I think even when you are self-motivated, even when you are self kind of trusting what you're doing. I think everyone sometimes we need like a third party to confirm Regardless of how much self-belief we have in what we're doing. Even when the results are actually, you see the results visibly. Or when you feel the results or you know you're doing the right thing. To have someone be like, from a wisdom standpoint. A person that essentially served in the, in the Marines, I believe. Someone who has lived life. Someone who has, who is still actively trying to do. And they see something in you that they view as extraordinary. Motherfuckers, I don't give a fuck about your 877 call. Um, I think we all sometimes just need that little like, hey, I see you. And from the person it's coming from, it matters. So someone who I see probably a few times a week, like he probably comes to the gym a few times a week. And I see him. I've waved at him before, like just general stuff. Like when you see someone enough at the gym, like you acknowledge their existence. But 
I think there's something as a human being to someone telling you like you're doing good. I don't care how old you are. We all sometimes need to just be like reminded like, hey, you're doing some good shit, man. I just want you to know what it, what you're doing. You're doing. You're doing it. Genuinely. And I think people pick that up. And I've noticed in everything in my life. The way people treat me. The way people look at me. The way people perceive me. And by default it's going to make you more confident. It's going to make you more. The better versions of yourself are going to come out. You're going to be more comfortable and natural with yourself. And that's going to benefit every aspect. That's the only reason why I brought anything with the gym. Because of that incident. And at the end of the day, yeah. Don't listen to this shit. Going back to me, my friend. Don't listen to this shit that, oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. You know what? When she touched, when she touched on my abdomen, and she's like, oh, it matters. And anyone that says it doesn't, why are you always lying? All right. All right, that was episode 160. That's time to stop. It probably could have stopped like 50 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. Uh, most importantly, I forgot to say it's the beginning of pod, but of course I'll never forget to suck some titties. Um, yeah, have a great day. Hope you guys enjoy the pod. I'll try to record a second one today. See you guys have a couple episodes this week. And uh, yeah, have a good day, guys. Peace up, A-Town down. Whoa, whoa. Trust issues. Whoa, whoa.